As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. Hello, and welcome to Meanwhile in the Future. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast about what might happen tomorrow, or next year, or in 100 years. Every week we take on a new possible future. Every episode we start with a little trip into that future to see what's going on. Then we come back to now and talk to a few experts about how they think that future might really go down. Ready? Great. This week we're going to the year 2065. So we've gone 50 years into the future, and every high school student gets to pick two types of body modifications. Everything from a camera in the eye to a super strong exoskeleton to magnets in their fingers. 50 years is a pretty good scale because we'd still probably be at least, um, I would say, probably like 60% meat on average. That's Tim Cannon. I'm the lead developer at Grindhouse, and um, I make DIY cyborg shit. I called Cannon because Grindhouse, the place he works, is one of those underground body hacking workshops that you might have read about. And Cannon himself has been a guinea pig for experimental implants. Last year, he had a little box the size of a deck of cards stitched under his skin. The box read his internal body temperature and transmitted that data to a computer. The idea was that eventually it could be hooked up to the thermostat in his house, and the temperature could change based on his body temperature. But Cannon has big dreams for the future of the human body, way bigger than a box that reads and transmits temperature data. I don't, like, I'd say, tell, tell people all the time, I don't want to go to space in a spaceship. I want to be a spaceship, right, and a lawnmower, and a subterranean vehicle, and, and a person, and a woman, and a man, and uh, a genderless, um you know, spiral of wheels going through space. That will probably take a lot more than 50 years to accomplish. Not only would we need to get much better at both understanding and engineering the human body, we'd also have to convince people that it was safe and ethically legitimate to do so. And to do that, we'll probably start with medicine. The most obvious um, technology, I guess, that people are 
strapping to their bodies is is this health metrics thing. That's very useful for people who have genuine conditions who need to monitor particular things about their body, such as diabetics, for example, need to monitor their, their blood sugar levels. So from there, we get into this sort of elective use of these things. And then ultimately, people will say, well, if it's good enough for diabetics and it's good enough for pregnant women, then I want to get one too. And just, just to know about, you know, know about my body. That's Frank Swain. He's a technology reporter. Swain is also a bit of a cyborg himself. He's got a pair of powerful hearing aids that he's hacked to detect Wi-Fi signals. Once devices get uptake in the medical realm, they could make the jump beyond it. Think of plastic surgery, for example. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult to say, isn't it? Because obviously plastic surgery was initiated not as cosmetic surgery, but as sort of this, you know, very important subdivision of of medicine for people with very severe scarring or disfigurement and then once that ground was laid then you were able to say okay we can use this for cosmetic purposes because we've you know we've proven that it's safe and we have all of the standards set up and we have the protocols um the the challenge will be making that same case for other elective forms augmentation forms Once enhancements jump out from medicine to their own special field with their own trained practitioners. If you want the dark cyberpunk dystopic uh, term that gets thrown around a lot as flesh mechanic. They could perhaps become a more mainstream option. And we might start with little things, things that people are already doing today, like RFID chips that help humans talk to machines more efficiently. When people put RFID chips under their skin, and I tried to do this with a, with a London Oyster card, which is a travel card we use here, and if you, uh, it's like a credit card, but if you dump it in um, nail polish remover, you can peel apart the plastic, and you can take out the microchip inside that makes it run. And you can put this microchip in anything. You can put it in uh, your phone or your wallet or, you know, under your skin if you encased it in the right way. And what that does really is makes you machine readable. And that's quite important because a huge amount of our world is administered by machines. Uh, Every time you go to take some money out of a, a bank account, an ATM... Uh, or you go on the subway, or you try to get into your office, it's a machine that decides whether or not you have that access, and they're not very good at recognizing us. So we have to carry around these talismans, these RFID cards and chips and dongles and swipe cards and fobs and all of this kind of stuff. And implanting one of them under your skin is sort of a very crude way of trying to enmesh your, your digital identity with your physical identity. Uh, But I find that really, really fascinating. I find that idea of trying to push together those two different parts of your life that are really essential and and get them into one, um, really because our world is controlled by machines and, and they don't recognize us particularly well. From there, implants could become more and more intense and more and more accepted. Here's one way to imagine the future. This is exactly the sort of thing that I can see in, um, you know, the concept of like vocational training, right? You know, when you're in seventh grade or eighth grade, uh, sometimes they ask you if you want to choose vocational training over traditional high school paths. And so I can definitely see in the future some people kind of saying like, well, I would be probably wanting to take the, you know, mathematics and technical path. And they'd be like, well, then you're going to be a lot of brain augments and a lot of math coprocessors and a lot of this and a lot of that, right? Whereas maybe somebody who is an artisan or a craftsman might want um, arms and limbs that have a whole bunch of different tools for sculpting clay and burning wood, right? Like if, if, if what you really want is to be a mountain climber and not go to college, maybe you save up and grab 
implants that allow you your lungs to more effectively get oxygen when in oxygen deprived environments and seep hydration out of the ground automatically filtering the snow. And here is also where we get into some big questions. What should be allowed and what shouldn't? How will we deal with the fact that some countries might allow certain implants and others might not? What happens when people turn those implants into weapons? There's going to have to be like things like, hey, you flew to Russia and they don't keep records on this type of implant because it's an outpatient procedure. And we don't know if you got one. So until you go through this really humiliating medical procedure, um, you can't come back into the country. Mm. And that's terrifying. Things like prosthetic limbs, if you think about that, the functions, even if we get into sci-fi territory, how strong should a prosthetic arm be? Should you be able to, you know, bend steel and punch through walls? Most people would say, well, no, that would be very dangerous. But we don't limit how fast people can run or how much muscle they can build up in in the gym. Uh, So who gets to tell someone with a prosthetic limb how they're allowed to use it and how strong that limb is allowed to be? Uh, that's a really, you know, big question mark. Right now, the best we can really do is give someone a little chip that can open doors or a magnet that can give them the power to detect electric fields. But if we could give people the power to really change their capabilities, we have to start asking a lot of questions about what we're okay with and what we're not okay with. You know, a lot of people say, like, couldn't we be marching headlong into our own destruction? And my answer is absolutely. We definitely could, but... I don't really think that it's going to go any other way. The uptake of these technologies is going to be really interesting to watch, too. Take Cannon and Swain, for example, two people very interested in cyborgs and technology. But they have very different ideas about what the human should be. When I asked each of them what their ideal implants would be, I got wildly different answers. Here's what Cannon said. They're very boring. I get this question kind of a lot. Uh... I would get a math coprocessor, which would basically just allow me to throw any sort of equations against it and then map them to whatever context I'm asking in. And then um, probably uh, some sort of direct connection to the internet that was somewhat intuitive. Kenneth would be fine leaving the human body behind entirely, especially the human brain. Swain thinks about it totally differently. Yes, he would like ears that work, but here's what he said when I asked him about what other implants he might get. Other kind of implants, goodness. I just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy being human. I'm happy, I'm, I'm just thankful for having a body that works. I don't think that, uh, I wouldn't push it. I, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. <laughs> it's always interesting to hear people talk about enhancements because, again, their their desires are often Um, quite pedestrian and yet they think that this enhancement is going to somehow fix their life to say oh I wish I had cameras in my eyes so I could just take pictures of things when I see them and you think well you have this fantastic uh, billion neuronal connection complicated machine for remembering things in your head that is more complicated than anything in a known universe Um, just use that Uh, (laughs) and it's the same for you know for my hearing aids Um, I could hack them to hear, you know, ultrasonic, so I could hear dogs whistling or whatever. Um, but I don't want that. What I, what I want to do is be able to, to communicate uh, with my loved ones. I want to be able to, you know, if I ever have children, to hear them and have conversations with them. Those are the important things. And I think it's very easy when we discuss enhancements and, and move into that 
that world of, of opening up what possible you know abilities might you want that we actually forget that the ones that we really want at the end of the day are the ones that are most human and the ones that are really deep inside us. For more on what body hackers are doing now and what they hope to be doing in the future, head to gizmodo.com, where we'll post links and more information. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Eveleth, with help from the Gizmodo staff. The intro music is by Asura, and the outro music is by Broke for Free. Special thanks this week to Matt Novak. If you want to suggest a theoretical future for us to explore, you can reach us in the comments, on Twitter, or by email at overthinkingit at gizmodo.com. That's all for this future. Come back next week and we'll travel to a different one.